Welcome to the podcast. This is Heidi Higgins, and you are listening to K-12 on Learning. It was Dr. Seuss who wrote, The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. If you are a parent at home with your children or a teacher in a classroom, you know that the most daunting and wonderful part of educating a child is teaching them to read and opening that magical world of books and understanding. What a responsibility. Learning to read is a slow process, but can develop into a delightful pastime that will take the child to faraway places, introduce them to new friends, explore parts of the real world and the imagination. If you love reading, there's a good chance you'll find success in other parts of life too. People with higher literacy skills tend to do better in school, are more likely to graduate, and have lower unemployment rates than those who read poorly. Since most of us find ourselves at home right now, we may worry about introducing and keeping those reading skills alive and growing in our children. In this episode, we've invited Jenny Murphy. Jenny is a K-12 teacher trainer. We've invited her to join us with strategies that you can implement at home that will help your child develop an ability to read if they're just beginning, or even some ideas of how to keep it fun and interesting if they're older. She's going to instruct us how to avoid some of the frustrations if the readers are struggling. It was Kate D. Camello who said, Reading should not be presented to children as a chore, a duty. It should be offered as a gift. I'm Jenny Murphy. I am a teacher trainer here with K-12. We're going to talk about some very specific strategies today for helping struggling readers. And these are all things that you can do at home because that's where um, most of us are finding ourselves these days. So I wanted to start with the ultimate goal of reading. It's important that we remember no matter where you are in learning to read, the ultimate goal of reading remains the same. And that goal is to understand. So as we go through and talk about these strategies, let's always remember that that goal is always to understand what it is that we're reading. So I want to talk a little bit about the process of reading and understanding because that is the ultimate goal. So there are two ways that we receive information. That information is received either through listening or we learn it through reading. Now, in order for learning to occur or for a connection to be made, that has to be coupled with an output process. So you want to couple an input listening and reading with an output that's either talking or writing, okay? And that's how the understanding comes about. So that's why every time that we read, a lot of times we ask students to write about or to discuss or talk about what it is that they're reading so that they can understand. So now that we understand the process of an input coupled with an output in order to understand what it is that we're reading, let's talk about why we should read for 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day is that magic number. Reading for 20 minutes a day is going to expose your student to 1.8 million words. It's going to give them 851 hours of reading time by the end of sixth grade, which is just mind-blowing. You're going to see the result of that in standardized testing and on all sorts of assessments that your student will participate in. And so you can look and see how that compares to a student that reads only five minutes a day or to a student that's only reading for one minute a day. So that 20 minutes a day is such a magical and powerful number because of the language and the words they're going to be exposed to and just the amount of time that they're going to spend with text and literature. 
reading crosses all content areas. So that reading for 20 minutes a day will serve them, students at all levels, students at every grade. We're going to talk about two different stages of readers. We're going to talk about beginning readers, and then we're going to talk about some more advanced readers. So first, let's discuss those beginning readers and what are some specific strategies that you can do with your beginning reader. The first thing that you need to do is make sure that your beginning reader is reading a just right book. And an easy way to do that is by using the five finger rule. And I have a book here that we can use as an example. Anybody know Skippy John Jones? <laughs> One of my favorites. So the first thing you want to do is pick up any book. You can open the book to any page. You can look at the text. And what you're going to do is ask your student to read the words on the page. If you, and for every word that they struggle with and don't know automatically, you're going to put up one finger. So at the end of that page, if you have zero or one finger up, then that book is probably too easy. If you have one or two, it's a just right book. It's a perfect choice. If maybe three or four, depending on how many words are on the page, yeah, that might be okay. You can give it a try. But if you have five fingers up, that means that they struggled with five words on the page. That book is too difficult. Put it down. Maybe you read that book to them, but it shouldn't be a book that they try to read on their own because that's going to create frustration and we don't want our readers to be frustrated. That's the first thing you need to do is make sure that any reader, and this really goes for beginning and more advanced, is that the reader is reading a just right book. So another thing that you're going to do with your beginning reader is you're going to help them sound out those words. Maybe they have three or four words on a page that they're struggling with. One strategy that we use with our beginning readers is to sound out those words. And you can tell them ahead of time that you're going to come to some words in your text that you may not know. And that's okay because we're learning to read together. And when you come to a word that you don't know, the first thing you can try and do is sound it out. And then you give them a very specific example of how you sound it out. You look at the letter and you make each sound that that letter says, and then you blend it together. G-O-T. You're going to make each letter sound G-A-T. And then you're going to blend it together. Got. Then remember that because it, the ultimate goal is to understand, you want to go back to the beginning of that sentence and reread the whole sentence, making sure that you say the word correctly. So you're going to sound it out. That's one thing that you can do with your beginning reader. If we're reading a just right book, we want to make sure that we're not sounding out every word in the sentence. We want to make sure that they are able to read more words than they're having to sound out. Because again, we want to make sure that we're keeping that level of frustration in check and that we're making sure that the students are reading what's appropriate for them. So another strategy that you're going to use working with your beginning reader is practicing those sight words. Learning sight words is going to increase reading fluency so that children can recognize those words in text quickly. Now, here's one of the biggest things that I see. When your student is reading a text and they come to a sight word that they don't know and they try to sound it out and it doesn't work because they're sight words for a reason and those sight words, they don't follow the rules of phonics and so they're very difficult to sound out. If your student is reading and they come to a sight word that they don't know, just tell them that sight word. Maybe remember to add it to their sight word list so that they're practicing those sight words. And then that can become a part of their sight word vocabulary and so that they will recognize it automatically. So again, if they are reading, they come to a sight word they don't know, please don't make them sound it out. Just tell them the sight word so that they can keep reading. Because again, that ultimate goal of reading is to understand. 
you'll be able to look up a list of the 220 Dolch sight words. You might be more familiar with the Fry sight words. The lists are very similar. They do overlap, but either one can't go wrong with Fry or Dolch. I know some people have a preference, <laughs> but it really doesn't matter. You can cut them out from magazines, newspapers. You can take index cards. You can write the sight words on index cards, scatter them all around. You can play a little game if you have a bean bag. Um, you can make memory games. You you can use a highlighter and highlight sight words that you see in the newspaper and in magazines. And then, of course, you can make flashcards, which can be beneficial if they're used appropriately. I do want to say that if you do choose to use sight word flashcards, make sure, just like with reading, that there are more words in the stack that they know and can recognize than words that they struggle with. I like to say that you want to say maybe if you have a stack of 10 sight words, maybe they know seven and there are three new words. As they begin to uh, get more fluent and automatic with those words that they're learning, those words become automatic and you can add a new word that might be challenging for them. We just want to make sure again that we're keeping that level of frustration in check. So if you are reading with your student and your student's going to read a story with you, you want to give them a heads up about what they're going to see in the book. We want to tell them if there are new sight words, go over the words that they're going to see in that story. Make sure that you are reading the pictures as well. Talk about the pictures that the student's going to see in the text and then encourage them to track their print, which means to take their finger and follow along with the words. And that's just going to help them keep their place. And that's really important for a beginning reader. All right. So now let's talk about those more advanced readers. Really, the one thing going to make the biggest difference with beginning readers and with more advanced readers is still that you read. It doesn't change whether they're just learning to read or whether they enjoy reading chapter books. You want to make sure that they're just spending time with text and that that text is appropriate. So you want to read, read, read. But there are things that you can do to make sure that your more advanced reader is understanding what it is that they're reading. And we call these habits of a good reader. Now, when you're working with your reader on understanding the text, we want to make sure that we just focus on one. So I'm going to talk about briefly all seven habits of a good reader. But if you're going to work with your reader, just pick one habit and focus on that one habit with your reader. So you don't want to try to do all of these at one time. You just want to pick one. But the habits of a good reader are making connections, visualizing, synthesizing, determining importance, asking questions, making predictions and inferencing. Some people say inferring, but inferencing. So making connections. Making connections with a text is a very important way. We do this all the time, especially with movies. So we want to make sure that we are discussing what does this story remind you of? What does this text remind you of? And we can connect to it in multiple ways. It can remind us of another text, another story. It might remind us of something that we have personally experienced, a text to self-connection, or it may remind us of something that's happening in our world or has happened in our world, and that would be a text to world connection. But the main question that you want to focus on if you are practicing making connection is, does this text remind you of anything? This is one of my favorites. Visual Visualizing, especially if you have a more advanced reader that's reading a chapter book that doesn't have pictures or illustrations in the book. It's just a lot of text. We want to make sure that that reader is making a habit of creating those pictures in their mind. And you want to give them the opportunity to tell you about the picture that they're making in their mind. It's kind of like making a movie in your head. I have a personal example of this. I've 
love all the Harry Potter books. I've read them all, but I've never seen any of the Harry Potter movies. And it's because, and I have so many people like, wow, wow, haven't you watched them? They're wonderful. I have my own picture because I was visualizing while I was reading those stories and I'm so afraid I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> but so visualizing is a very powerful strategy for a more advanced reader. What do you picture as you're reading this text? And then it ties into the senses. When reading the story, what do you hear? What do you see, smell, feel, and taste? The next one is predicting. We want to make sure that we're constantly making predictions as a reader. And the questions that you want to focus on is, what do you think the story will be about? And you can ask that kind of question at the very beginning of a book, especially if you're reading a picture book to a younger reader. What do you think David's going to do to get in trouble? You can predict by looking at the pictures in the story. You can predict by when you're starting a new chapter in a chapter book, what's going to happen based on the title of this chapter by looking at the pictures. How do you think this story will end? So those are some of the focus questions that you can use if you're going to work on predicting in a story. And then you want to make sure that you follow that prediction up with a question and kind of reflect. So you want to think about, was my prediction right? You can also kind of stretch your reader and ask them, what was it that made you make that prediction? You can make them pull out evidence from the text and what was it that made you think this was going to happen? And then did it happen or did something different happen? Inferring or inferencing. This is one of those skills that takes a lot of practice. And it's a higher level thinking question that you want to make sure that you are challenging your reader with inferencing. Reading between the lines. It's information that the reader is going to gain from a story that the author is not going to directly say to you. Maybe you've got to put two and two together. Maybe the author is going to give you bits and pieces of information as the storyline develops, and you've got to draw your own conclusion through inferencing. One of the best examples that I've seen about inferring is you can talk about the lady that walks out of the house and she's carrying an umbrella. Well, we can infer that the weather outside is rainy because she's got her umbrella, or maybe it's going to rain because she's carrying an umbrella. But the author doesn't tell us anything about whether it's raining or not. We're just making an inference. So the question would be, what do you already know that made you think of that prediction? What words did the author use? In a picture book, it's the information that the illustrator gives us in the pictures. So we can also infer using those picture books. Determining importance is one of the last ones. So we want to make sure that determining importance is addressed with our more advanced readers. And we do that by saying, are some parts of the story more important than others? Which ones? Why? What do you think the author thought was most important so far in the story or in this article? What are the most important new ideas to remember? And these types of questions don't necessarily have a right or a wrong answer. We just want to make sure that we've got the reader engaging with the text and that they are making decisions based on what they're reading because they've got information coming in and we want to make sure that we're coupling that with an output, whether they're writing about it or talking about it. We've got to provide them with these questions so that they can make that connection and learn. And so we do that by asking these questions. So again, it's not necessarily a 
right or wrong answer. Synthesizing. Synthesizing is the most complex of the comprehension strategies. So think about this. If you were telling someone about the story, what important facts or new understandings would you share based on what you read? What do you understand better now than you did maybe before you read it? What aha moments or thoughts do you have as a result of reading this story or reading this article? So again, these questions are not going to have a right or wrong answer. We just want to make sure that we are giving them that opportunity to process the information that they've received by either writing or talking about it. Questioning. When we are reading, we want to make sure that we're constantly questioning. And that's because as readers, we want to wonder things. What do you wonder about as you're reading the story? What questions do you have about the story? It's very similar to kind of making predictions, but you always kind of want to check yourself because we want to make sure that we're thinking about what we're reading. Because remember, that ultimate goal is to make sure that we're understanding what it is that we read. And we can do that one way by questioning. It's important that you're thinking about this in three different stages. When you're working with those more advanced readers, we want to make sure that we're asking questions before reading, during reading, and after reading. And that's just going to guarantee that as a reader engages with that text, that they're focused on understanding the information that they're getting from it, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. We need to make sure that we're thinking about what it is that we're reading before we read, during our reading, and after our reading. I'm going to end with this quote, reading gives us some place to go when we have to stay where we are. I hope that you'll take this time that we're all kind of at home, cooped up, and explore some different literature, fiction and nonfiction. I know uh, we have been looking at this National Geographic magazine, just one of that I keep on my coffee table. The beautiful, beautiful places that maybe one day we'll get to go visit. So I encourage you to take some time, find something good to read, maybe even reach out on social media and find out what everybody else is reading about. Thank you for listening to K-12 on Learning. To learn more about K-12's tuition-free public online schools, the Destinations Career Academies, or the international and private school options, go to k12.com. We invite you to subscribe so you can join us next time for K-12 on Learning.